Welcome to another episode of the Thoughts with Lakshman podcast. My name is Lakshman Sybil. I'm a student at the Edgemont Junior Senior High School. I'm currently studying German through an online course at Oklahoma State University. And I'm also researching and studying German culture independently. And I'm also the professor from Oklahoma State University. Um, Today, we're going to be talking about Fanta, uh, the soft drink, the orange soft drink. The, and how it was created, because um, it was created by Germans, Nazi Germans, uh, during, uh, world, during the World War. And uh, it, the, the story behind it, World War Two actually, and, and the story behind it um, and its creation is quite unique. So we're going to be dis- discussing the creation of Fanta um, in Germany in this podcast. Um, before we get into it, though, um, you know, my podcast is available on all platforms, Spotify, Apple Music, um, Google Podcasts, um, Anchor is the app I use, and you can also watch it there or listen to it. Um, please make sure to subscribe, leave a like rating um, if you like the content. Um, I explore German cultural topics, um, and you know I really just just discuss things I read about. You know I find interesting. I organize my thoughts, and then I you know make a make a podcast. So. Uh, and and thank you for the feedback. I've I've gotten um, some f- great feedback, especially from Sleepy Hollow High School, um, from students at Sleepy Hollow High School. So thank you for the feedback um, I'm I'm receiving for the podcast. I really appreciate because it, it helps me improve um, for for future episodes. But just getting straight into it. So Fanta today is one of the most popular drinks in the world, right? It's very recognizable when you see orange um, in a cup, right? At at a, a an event or whatever, you know it's Fanta, and um, it was actually made. The first bottle of Fanta was actually made from food scraps, which is very interesting. Um, Fanta was it's a branch of Coca Cola, so you know Coca Cola grew, and I think it was officially invented in the late nineteenth century. Um, that means the late 1800s, by the way. But yeah, I think that was when it was officially invented. But it, it started to become more popular in the early 1900s, in the early 20th century. So, under Coca-Cola, to, to expand Coca-Cola, the, under, under their plan, um, you know, they set up infrastructure in 27 different countries. And Coca-Cola, the main company, oversaw right the, the, the development of Coke in each of those companies. But each country had their own twist to it, right? Each country had some freedom, they had some liberty in, in how it was produced. Um, you know, they, they had a, their own equipment, and um, that which is another interesting thing. But because of this expansion. Coca-Cola began to grow dramatically. Because remember, Coca-Cola is really global. Um, if you ever watch the World Cup, I love watching the World Cup um, for soccer. Coca-Cola is always one of the main sponsors. And the World Cup's the most uh, multicultural sporting event there is. The most famous multicultural sporting event. Or maybe the Olympics. But um, in, in actually, in 1928, Coca-Cola did sponsor the Olympics. Um, and, and I guess that shows, right, people around the world becoming more familiar with, uh, with Coca-Cola. Um... Obviously, it's Coke's a massive part of uh, American life, right? Coca-Cola is very famous in, in the U.S. 
But for, you know, in Germany, um, um, even though Coca-Cola was successful in Germany, you know, the, the, it wasn't a, uh, the, the business behind it, their, you know, local, um, because remember, right, there are 27 different countries that the original company is expanding into, and each of those countries has, has some liberty in how they operate it. Well, with Germany, right, um, Ray Riven Powers was in charge of it, and you know, he did a great job selling Coca-Cola. Sales increased dramatically. But, you know, the, their financial situation was a mess. And... Um, It just so happened to align when, um, you know, Adolf Hitler became powerful and under the Third Reich in Germany. And along with that, because of the changes in German government, Max Keith, who, um, he's a German, um, almost, I don't, I don't know what his profession is, actually, to be honest with you, but he, he helped design, he had more control, he had more in, in a, over Coca-Cola um, once Hitler gained, gained power. Um, and uh, he kind of changed Coca-Cola, not just, he, he re-identified Coca-Cola in Germany, right? So the, and you know, this, you can see this politically too, because at the time with Nazi Germany, there's lots of nationalism, you're going up against Americans and then it's not a great look, right, in your own country that the most famous, the most, everybody loves Coca-Cola and that's an American drink. It's an American company. So Max Keith really tried to remake Coca-Cola into a German, um, try to spin it in a way that it was very German. It was not, you know, an American thing that we love here. No, it's a German thing we love here because it wasn't great politically, right? The Nazis wanted as much nationalism, as much public support as possible. And you see this, right, with the, the 1936 Summer Olympics. Um, that's a, the, the 1936 Summer Olympics, by the way, is one of the most fascinating um, Olympics ever in, in Berlin. You know, I think with Jesse Owens and his success. and it, it's, very, um, it's very interesting. But specifically through the lens of, of Coca-Cola, right, I mean, it was, it was a great marketing opportunity for Coca-Cola. And, uh, you know, Max Keith, back to Max Keith, he, he had power, he had this new role because of the widespread changes, the sweeping changes now that the Nazis were, the Nazi party had control, but he himself never joined the Nazi party, um, but he did work with them closely, so, you know, make of that what you will. Um, but um, with Max Keith, um, you know, as the war ramped up, there was more economic tensions, you know, the German government, more tariffs, more, more on other foreign businesses. And this, because of this, right, because of the limiting, because of increasing tensions in the war, because of less global trade, because of culmination of all these factors, Germany had to produce more goods themselves, right? They had to produce more of what they consumed. And 
that's more expensive too because you know one of the best things about globalization is that it allows each country to specialize um, and use their own resources to produce things that are optimal for those resources. Because if you think about it, right, let's say um, one company has, you know, they have lots of oil. They can produce, they, they can produce oil at a very, um, you know, low cost. They can produce a lot of oil. Their, their resources are suited to oil. And another country can, you know, produce cotton at a, at a higher rate, right? Well, because of globalization, because of foreign trade, the comp each each country specializes at their own thing that they're good at, and that expands the production possibilities curve for all countries in the world, um, because they all get access to more goods and they trade what they have in, in exchange for other things. Um, so I mean, globalization is a very positive thing, from an economic perspective and also a multicultural perspective too, um, and, and you know way it ties in here is because there wasn't, I mean, there there was more isolationism, even in the United States, right, with Herbert Hoover, um, you know, Smoot-Hawley tariff, there, there was definitely isolationism there, but still, you, you know, after getting into the war, I mean, there, there's definitely going to be less global trade, more tensions in, in international relations. Um, and Germany was more reliant on producing goods themselves. And this is where Max Keith comes in because he had a major role in the production of an exclusive German soft drink. Now, you, it's exclusive-ish, right? Because, I mean, it took inspiration from Coca-Cola. Um, but still, you know, Keith worked with chemists and they kind of blended different tastes. They, it was a caffeinated drink, Fanta's a ca caffeinated drink. It, it was similar to Coke, right? They studied Coke, but they left it, they left their own um, mark to it. They definitely left their own mark to it. Um, and it was actually used from leftovers from, you know, they used leftovers from other food industries, um, like fruit pulp, apple fibers, um, you know, cheese curdling. And they produced a, um, a liquid um, and they, and, you know, they're thinking about names and Fanta, Fanta came along. So this is, this was really how Fanta was developed. Um, and Fanta was a big hit. Fanta was a big hit. Um, and it wasn't really that, it, we don't know if Fanta would have been a big hit. It was only really a big hit for sure because of the fact that there wasn't anything else to drink. Right, there wasn't much else to drink. There were very few soft drink alternatives to Fanta. Um, I mean, of course, it's water. There's, you know, there's other beverages you can drink too. But in terms of soft drinks, Fanta was on its own in in Germany at, under the Third Reich. So it developed. It you know became more popular and it tasted good. People enjoyed it. Um, they paid more for it. The company used that money. Keith and his company used that to improve it. Do more research. And they started to form a connection with fans, and it really began to grow after that. Um, and, I mean, it, it quickly became a, ha a household staple in Germany. And, you know, it's a staple across the world today. Fanta is one of the most famous soft drinks in the world. Now, remember how we said that Matt, Max Keith, even though him, he himself was not part of the Nazi party, he worked very closely with it? Well... You know, he he worked with the Nazi party, the leadership under the Third Reich in Germany, to gain, like, a, um, 
the position of He, he was like the guy. So you remember how he spoke about Coca-Cola and they expanded into 27 different countries. Well, Max Keith was the top person in Germany for Coca-Cola, which is very interesting. And, um, and so Max Keith used his new role, right, as um, kind of the head overseer um, of the German Coca-Cola operation. And he used his experience there to spread Fanta, right, across Europe. Um, and he developed relationships with other managers in other countries. Um, and, and this was very successful. This was how Fanta started to spread outside of Germany. Because remember, no, very little global trade, very little, it's not much globalization. You're not really seeing a lot of, it's a lot of made in Germany, consumed in Germany. Made in Austria, consumed in Austria, right? It, it, there isn't as much. So that, that was massive. Um, and uh, yeah, and... and you know, Fanta, Keith, Keith did hand over the profits of, of Fanta to Coca-Cola. Um, you know, Fanta is part of Coca-Cola. Um, it's owned by Coca-Cola. Um, you know, it, it's interesting looking at it from a more modern perspective because Fanta, I mean, it was developed under the Third Reich, under Nazi Germany, right? That, that's not a history to be proud of. Um, you know, that, that's something you want to, you have to acknowledge, but, you know, they face criticism because, you know, by having a, a drink, selling a drink that, that has such history, or it, does that imply that Coca-Cola perhaps isn't, you know, um, is diminishing the, the impacts of the Holocaust? Is Because you're giving more, um... And you don't you don't want to give any coverage to 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 people like the Nazis or, or that. So people have uh, criticized Fanta for that, and there's been uh, Coca Cola for that, and there's been um, you know lots of debates internal um, within Coca Cola. You know they they launched an ad celebrating Fanta's seventy fifth anniversary, and this ad faced a lot of backlash. Because in the ad, um, it referred to the world, Germany and the world under the GD, under uh, Nazi Germany in World War II as the good old times, um, which is very, uh, you know, it's definitely not the good old times. And Coca-Cola actually took the video down. They had a formal apology. Um, and they said that, you know, this, the brand had no association with Hitler or the Nazi party, which is... I don't, I don't think the brand had no association with the Nazi party, given Max Keith's role and his association. But still, I mean, it wasn't like... Um, it, it, the, the drink itself wasn't created with any malicious intent. Um, you know, Fanta was created when they needed a soft drink, and uh, they used creativity, and, and that concoction of leftover food scraps and, and chemists working together... Um, produced a, a caffeinated orange um, soda that um, is is well loved today, and uh, is is a very successful and, and famous soft drink. I think the history of Fanta definitely, I mean, it, it has to be acknowledged um, by the company, and I think you know they should, especially Coca Cola after their inappropriate ad, they should really be investing more in. Um, 
in Holocaust education, and they should really show demonstrate their commitment because, um, I mean, from just from a PR perspective, I mean that's really bad that to have some to a commercial like that. Um, but I I think it's interesting though. I still think that the creation of Fiona was interesting. The fact that it was you know so informal and so it was just leftover food scraps. They were just putting something together and and it, it turned into this um, worldwide famous. I mean, it's so recognizable. And everywhere you go, if you see orange in a cup, you know it's Fanta. Um, and that's, uh, I think that's really neat. Um, but yeah, thank you for uh, listening to this episode of the podcast. Um, it's a little shorter, but I, and I wanted to touch on this topic. I thought it was interesting. You can do more reading um, on the topic yourself. Um, there's lots of great articles on it, I, I found. Um, and, uh, yeah, but thank you for listening to the podcast. Um, I hope you enjoyed and goodbye.